Shashi, thank you very much. Uh, when you began with your tour de force from the 1950s, I thought, wow, in 10 minutes you managed to cover and then get into the key uh, issues and challenges and opportunities, and that was very, very uh, illuminating. I'm very pleased now to um, welcome our first panelist, His Excellency Dr. Barfour Ajay Barwa, Ambassador of the Republic of Ghana to the United States of America. Uh, he has uh, presented his credentials in uh, last summer of 2017, and this is his second ambassadorial appointment after having served as Ambassador of Ghana to Japan with concurrent accreditation to Singapore, New Zealand, Australia, and Papua New Guinea. Ambassador, welcome to Esprit. Thank you. Uh, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It's always dangerous, as it were, to pick up a piece of research and try to either comment on it or dissect it or probably make an effort to amend it. So I'm not going to, as it were, dwell on some of the, almost of the outcomes that uh, Shashi has. But I think there are one or two issues that need to be uh, considered. One, the whole bit about putting a lot of emphasis on the private sector, which it appears we haven't been doing, arises from the fact that in the earlier years, that is during the um, colonial times, and maybe I should predicate this by telling you that in the Ghanaian language, in the Akan language, there's a word called awam. Awam basically means people fixing up an issue before it comes up for consideration. Like uh, soccer referees taking some backhand and making sure that a certain team is disadvantaged. That, that is where awam comes from. But the basis of awam is association of West African merchants. Now, those were the people who were at the forefront of um, commercial activity in the then Gold Coast. And they were always in, in some kind of collusion. So they forged the prices. And therefore, even the farmers were not getting the fair returns that is being proposed you know, here under a certain system of, um, uh, as it were, open commercial activity or putting a lot of... Um, uh, more or less handle to the private sector. I believe in the private sector, but you can believe in the private sector and not forget the fact that the private sector revolves around the lowest possible investment and the maximum profit uh, yields. And especially in, in an in, uh, industry like cocoa, and you have to realize that even looking at the page cover of this book, Ghanaian cocoa is grown on small farm holdings. So the farmers, they are very particular as to what they do their business because they do that business with pride. And that is why Ghanaian cocoa has always been considered a premium cocoa and we command a premium price. And even though we command a premium price, when the price is being fixed on the so-called international market, we are never there. 
So somebody decides as to how much they are going to pay, and it is out of that that the government has to decide as to what proportion of that goes to the average farmer. And it is the government's responsibility to provide access roads. It's the government's responsibility to provide medical care. It's the government's responsibility to handle education. And therefore, whatever that is sliced off, it has to go into making sure that the average farmer at least has a certain kind of access to those kinds of support issues that will make it possible for the person to continue producing. Besides the fact that the kind of educational system that were bequeathed to us, and we are not blaming anybody for this because we have had 61 years of having to change this, and we haven't changed it considerably. Now we are. But at least under that educational system, farming, even though cocoa was making quite a lot for certain people, farming was not considered the kind of thing you go to school and then after that you go and do. So now, for instance, the majority of cocoa farmers are wizened old men like me, and therefore production probably is going to go down because of the fact that there isn't what you might call new blood going into the sector. And again, we are trying to reverse that. But that said, there are two issues in that case that I would want to raise, and I hope that maybe the next time Shashi uh, is doing uh, some kind of a follow-up on this, we'll look at it. And again, it has to do with one, the question of pricing on the international market. Because if that is not looked at, then of course, no matter the altruism of any administration, no matter how judicious a, a, an administration handles his job, the fact of the matter is the share that is going to the farmer is always going to be lower. You, you can't beat that. Because if you try to do that, or if you hold on to the situation as it is, it is like, you know, talking about life without the uh, attendant issue of looking at death. You cannot go to heaven if you don't want to die. And that is the kind of thing we are looking at. You, there's, no way, there's no way you are going to be adequately support a farmer to bring the farmer up to a level where you believe that the farmer's input warrants a certain level of remuneration and at the same time hold very tightly onto the price where the, the whole industry is being dictated on the so-called price mechanism. That one, we have to look at it. And also, one needs to consider the fact that cocoa has always handled a certain proportion of the Ghanaian economy. It will continue to do so. And therefore, considering the growth of the population, considering the turn of economics in the world, considering even the politics of the world, Somewhere along the line, we need to seriously look at the fact that the industry would have to find a way of turning itself up. And that may well be the kind of thing that the companies and the countries that have an interest in cocoa should look at. And here, I'm going on the fact that I think most economic, uh, classical economic theory will say that 
it is always better to reduce the cost of transportation of raw materials, and therefore you may want to move production, at least a greater proportion of it, to where the raw material happens to be. If you look at some of the shops in this country at the moment, you, keep, you pick up a, a sweatshirt and it says made in Vietnam. You pick up a jacket and it says made in China. It is because American industry has moved to those areas where the raw materials are. And therefore, I would want somebody to honestly tell me why, over the years, not one single major world manufacturer of chocolate products has moved to Ghana. The fact is, they get the raw materials at a minimum rate. They do the curvature. They add whatever they want to add. They wrap it up. And if any of the chocolates came to Ghana, it probably is going to cost more per bar of chocolate than what the average farmer gets for a quarter of an acre of cocoa planting. So where you have this kind of disparity, any tinkering of the processes or the, for the administration of cocoa at the moment is not going to make a significant interest as far as the farmer is concerned. It is not going to make a significant interest insofar as the general receipts are concerned. It is not going to make a significant interest insofar as the contribution of the cocoa industry to the general development of the country is concerned. So these are two critical issues that any researcher would have to look at. Other than that, with the best of wills, the industry probably is going to you know, suffer. But at least we are determined that the industry will have to go back to where it used to be in terms of the volume of production, in terms of what it can do to shore up the, uh, the country, and in terms of the fact that we would want to attract people who now can read and write so that at least they can look at the pesticide and decide as to when it could be applied. They can look at the pesticide and decide as to whether the soil quality there matches the kind of you know, pesticide that we are putting in. So we have a lot to do in that respect. So for me, I would want to you know, ask you to congratulate you, sir, for having taken the trouble to write the book. It gives a lot of you know, uh, ammunition for thought. But I would want to hope that uh, you would also keep at it and raise some of these issues which are more critical because we are one of those countries where uh, who have always put a lot of faith in what we call the international order. Somebody is jipping you and they will quote you what the international rules say as far as that is concerned. And as I mentioned earlier, we were never at the table. So now we would want to reshape our own position so that we can influence what the rules say. Of course, we know we are going to get a lot of resistance, but we are banking on a certain expectation that it is not going to be very easy for anybody to resist a fair change based on an honest examination of the situation. 
So we will still be the champions of cocoa. We are going to be a champion for a very long time. In fact, we don't ever think that we would want to yield that position, irrespective of the fact that you know, certain countries are promoting a lot of cocoa production in Southeast Asia, for instance. But you see, what the creator put in the Ghanaian soil is unique. We would always produce the best. Thank you. <laughs> Your Excellency, thank you so much for your powerful remarks, for the two issues you brought on the table. Shashi, next six years, next book. <laughs> but seriously, I hope in the conversation we will have a chance to reflect on the uh, two key issues that uh, His Excellency has put on the table.